0: This podcast is proudly part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more Kaiju and tokusatsu goodness, go to kaijuramenmedia.com. Well, as of 2020, he looks like a teenager because I'm looking at it here now.
1: Um, but, well, but you're how right. You it is it is such a how do you tell if a nut is a, pe- is, is a teenager? Maybe when it drops. <laughs> <laughs> New intro song, Wild Thing. Dun, dun, dun,
0: dun. Dun, 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 dun. You, you make, make my make heart, heart sing. sing. you thing. make everything.
1: I think I love you. <laughs> the Wild Thing, I.
0: But I really wanna know for sure.
1: So come on, baby, and hold me tight. Come on, baby, light my fire no
0: that's a different song it's the
1: wrong band oh you move come me. on baby light my fire <laughs> hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of kaiju weekly the weekly podcast that inter- introduces you to the wide world of 1960s slash 70s music
0: yeah i could yeah okay that's fine yeah we can do that it's 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 fine it it applies a lot of the media that
1: we watch is from the 50s and 60s so i am your i am your host traps mcgee and with me as always is my (laughs) co-host michael spamilton hey
0: look don't do not hate on spam i actually like spam
1: dude i love spam i do love spam and, you know we were singing the songs uh the, the the wild thing to intro in this episode uh last night when i was uh sitting in bed and daisy my cat was sitting in bed next to me i was thinking about the movie that we're going to review today and that song mm-hmm. clicked in my head and I immediately started just like I went, uh, I was just laying in bed all quiet. All of a sudden I went wow thing dun, dun, dun. and it scared Daisy <laughs> so much. She ran out of the room.
0: <laughs> I do that. Like I'll just, I'll just have a, like a random thought and I'll just like blurt it out. And my cats look at me like I'm crazy.
1: Oh man. Well, enough chit-chatting away we have an episode to do so the first thing we've got to do is cue the beady beady cue the beady beady And the first bit of news, actually the first three bits of news that we have, it's it's trailers. Uh, we're going to be called the Trailer Park Boys because we've got a ton of trailers to to talk about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have never, okay, sidebar, I have never watched an episode of the Trailer Park Boys. Me I'm neither. just saying. Like, I
1: know neither. people
0: like that show, but I've just never had the urge to watch it.
1: Uh, yeah, I've never, I've never had the other urge to watch it either. Unlike, uh, The Office, which I did watch a few episodes of, but just didn't like. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, you're one of the
0: few people in America, I believe that just didn't like The Office, which. Yeah.
1: I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're an alien, but it's possible. Didn't like The Office. Didn't like Parks and Rec. Even though I like all the people in those shows, I I just don't like those shows, but I do love some 30 Rock.
0: Yeah. 30 Rock was a good show. I I think 30 Rock was a good show. Not as much. I did. I like 30 Rock, not as much as Parks and Rec. And probably one of my favorite characters from Parks and Rec is Andy. And speaking of Andy, we have Jurassic Park Dominion trailer to talk about for our first news item this week.
1: Yeah, so this is what was called the Super Bowl trailer, but it actually dropped a little bit before the Super Bowl, Uh like two have,
0: days or so before. Yeah,
1: yeah the the trailer for Jurassic World Dominion. And speaking of the Super Bowl, man, that halftime show!
0: Uh. Oh, the halftime show was fantastic. Like yeah. all those songs and all those artists, I it took me right. It took me right back to middle school and or and my freshman year of high school.
1: I read on Twitter somewhere that somebody uh, somebody said, yeah, everybody who was born between 1985 and 1993 was uh, watched the, the halftime show and was like, yeah, they're finally playing our type of music, not music for the old people. And then it finally dawned on them. Oh, wait. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so my thing about the my thing about the the. The, the super bowl. Cause they had like Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop, Mary J. Blige, um, and a few others. And then the surprise was 50 cent, which is more like a dollar 50 cent now, but
1: yeah, that's exactly what I was (laughs) saying. He more like a buck 50 now.
0: (laughs) He's, he's, he's gotten a little pudgy over the years. I guess retirement hasn't
1: treated him too well. The man is 50 something years old. We can, we can forgive him. He's that, still, that's true. I mean, he's a 50 something year old true. man hanging upside down like Spider-Man. <laughs> that's, that's we true. Got, that's we got to leave 50 sit alone. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, that, that's I just true. I just yeah, thought
1: it was right. so funny because uh, all the news, uh, all the news outlets are saying like, oh yeah, there's with with five performers for the Super Bowl. There's not going to be uh, a, any surprise guests. You know, we're we're not going, we don't expect any surprise guests. And then Fifty Cent just drops in like Spider Man, like hello, <laughs> just just hanging upside down. Anyway, uh, Jurassic World Dominion. What do you think of the trailer? I thought it was it
0: to say. I don't want to be all like weird about it and be like, Oh, it gave me chills, but it kind of gave me chills because for the, from the perspective of this is literally what the franchise has been building up to. And then just kind of have like John Hammond's voice, you know, do like the voiceover as they're opening up mm-hmm. as they're opening the, the trailer up. I mean, it just was, it was just a really well done trailer. I thought. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it.
1: We must protect baby. We Blue. must.
0: We must protect baby blue. Like there needs to be a petition. There needs to be a petition, a hashtag, something protect baby blue it has to be. If that, if that poor baby dies in the movie, I'm going to, I will riot.
1: Oh, oh no, no, they can't. They can't. That's like killing the dog. No. they They cannot do that.
0: No, they're not going to, they're not going to kill baby blue. They may kill blue, the adult, but they may not kill baby blue
1: right yeah no i i just the, this this era of m- pop culture is just such a weird time to be in because you know we have baby yoda mm-hmm. baby groot baby mr peanut ba- <laughs> you know and now baby wait Blue. wait
0: hang, wait, hang, what What? Babe, baby mr peanut There's you remember baby mr peanut now
1: yeah, well, no, it was like a few years ago. He's grown up now. But it was like a few years ago uh, that they rebranded or re redid their advertising stuff and uh, Mr. Peanut died uh, and they had baby Mr. Peanut. Oh, and now he's teenage Mr. Peanut. I think he's a full grown adult now. They grow grew so fast.
0: <laughs> they do. Well, as of 2020, he looks like a teenager because I'm looking at it here now. Um but, it's, but when how you're how right, you it is such a weird hell
1: if not, it's a nut it's, is a is a teenager. Maybe when it drops. <clears throat> <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, I. Uh... <laughs> so. So. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness oh Oh. goodness oh my lungs (laughs) Uh, that was good good. um i do. i really like this trailer too um i completely agree with you that having richard attenborough's um voice over at the beginning was just a just a sweet sweet touch uh especially you know since Mm. he's no longer with us and he can't you know appear in the movie himself it's it's nice to bring it back that you still have that little touch of John Hammond in the trailer and the the imagery in it yeah. looks great. Now I'm I'm still dubious on whether the movie is going to actually be good because because I don't I don't know I'm I wasn't I wasn't completely I didn't completely hate Fallen Kingdom but I wasn't completely thrilled by it either. I was kind of in the middle towards it. Um, and it just seems like each Jurassic world movie now, uh, has just had diminishing returns on, uh, on it. And so I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of dubious on whether this one's going to actually be good, but as far as the imagery, I mean, they could have, they could have stopped after the first Jurassic world because
0: I, I really like after the. Because Jurassic Park three, although has grown on me over the years, Gra- Jurassic Park three, I believe, is still the weakest of of the franchise, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think it's the weakest. I think I think obviously the strongest is the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lost World is a really close second because Lost World was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and then probably the first Jurassic World, and then Jurassic Park three. Uh, being the weakest of the of those four. But well, like, where would you I'd put um,
1: of, Fallen a, a, Kingdom?
0: <sighs> ah, Fallen Kingdom's tough because Fallen Kingdom, like it was, Fallen Kingdom was a lot of fun. Fallen Kingdom was to me a lot like Godzilla versus Kong was. It was a lot of fun. There wasn't a ton of substance there, but it was still fun enough to watch. But it could have been, but it probably was, it was probably a little bit weaker. I would say it's probably a little bit weaker than maybe even Jurassic Park 3. So I, I take that back. It's probably Fallen Kingdom is, is the weakest of the, of the franchise so far
1: yeah fallen kingdom and the first jurassic world kind of go back and forth on being like at the bottom of the list because because there's parts of both of them that i liked and there's a lot in both of them that i didn't like Mm -hmm. so it's kind of hard to like decide which one i liked and didn't like but um uh but yeah the 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 visuals in this trailer were great i love i and i don't know how to pronounce the the i i may pronounce it wrong but parasolophagus para lofagus, Lophus, whatever. The the dinosaur that's like a duck, it's like a duck bill one with the long thing on its head. The guy in Lost World called it Elvis because it had the big curl. Yeah.
0: Um, It's going to bug me until I think of the name, but anyway, let's, let's move on. But I know what you're talking about. We'll just call it Elvis.
1: Yeah. But you know, those, those dinosaurs when they had a bunch of them running through like, you know, the, this uh, snowy plains and, and running alongside horses and being corralled around and, and you had uh, uh, Chris Pratt there, you know, kind of corralling them in. It's just like, it was really cool. That was such a cool visual. Of course we did see the preview of this movie a while back with, Uh, the t-rex at the drive-in theater so we got a little bit of that in there but the big thing that everybody's been Mm -hmm. talking about with this trailer is of course the return of of uh ellie sadler and dr Mm -hmm. grant along with
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh malcolm yep and they look exactly well. They don't look exactly
0: the same, but they're dressed exactly the same from the first yeah time. yeah um, the
1: the, dre- the the clothing that they're wearing is the same. But they do they do look different. Not saying that they look bad. You know, the time has passed. No, and can no tell I know. I'm not. The time has passed, but they're not like yeah. old looking. They look good, and yeah, I'm, is...
0: I'm not. I I'm not, not. going to complain about the fact that. Dr. Grant's plaid shirt. Dr. Grant's plaid shirt looks exactly this, almost the same as Dr. Grant's plaid shirt in the original film. I think that's a stupid thing to critique and argue about, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. I I think bringing the men, I think bringing the men is a nice touch to help kind of round out the series, because this is going to be the last movie, supposedly, Supposedly. Um, depending on how it does supposedly, it's depending on how it does. It'll all depend on how it does and if there's more money to be made from it. Um But this is going to be the last movie. So this movie is really kind of a big deal. Like, we could potentially be seeing a, uh maybe like a, a I don't want to say Godzilla versus Kong event where they just kind of throw everything at us and then there you go, they go out with a bang, you know, that kind of stuff. But I am, I am happy to see, uh, Ellie, Dr. Grant and, and Malcolm back for this movie. I think it's, like I said, it's a nice touch. It's a nice way to round out the series. Um, and I think it's, although yes, it's a little bit of fan service, but I think hopefully, well, hopefully it'll be used well.
1: Yeah. And somebody did bring up the question of like, how much are they, how much of this is real nostalgia like us, you know, getting excited to see them back and how much of it is just kind of like manufactured by the studio to make us feel nostalgic for this and how far is that nostalgia going to go? Is it going to actually translate to, you know, actual numbers in, in the thing? Um, because like, you know, I, when I think when I, I mean, I, and I was, I was one of those dinosaur kids who loved dinosaurs and loved Jurassic Park. I, you know, absolutely was obsessed with Jurassic Park. But when I think back to the fond memories I have of Jurassic Park, it's not Doctor Sadler, Doctor Grant, and and Doctor Malcolm who I'm thinking of.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's the dinosaurs.
0: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's so it's the like, kids. It's the it's the animals.
1: Yeah. yeah. So so I'm just wondering. I'm like, like I, I get people's excitement, and, and I, like I'm glad to see them back too because it is kind of nice to see them. Uh, anytime you see Jeff Goldblum or Laura Dern or, you know, anyone in, in the, in a movie, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's good because they're good actors, but am is it really worth the excitement that people have? Like, oh, I have been waiting my whole life to see them again in a movie. It's like, really? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't, I don't think so.
0: I really don't think so because yeah, the act. We've had some really good actors and actresses in in the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World series, and there are some really iconic actors. Like, I know a lot of people like to hate on Chris Pratt, but I love Chris Pratt. I think Chris Pratt is a is a solid actor uh, in his own right. Um, he's he's an entertaining guy, and I like the original trio of uh, Doctor Grant, Malcolm, and, and Ellie. Uh, Doctor Sadler. Um, and I, I'm kind of with you, I'm more nostalgic for just the animals themselves than I am like the human characters. Now don't get me wrong. There are some really iconic moments with those human characters that I can drum that I can think of one specifically is Dr. Grant putting his ear to the triceratops and listening to it breathe. Like that is oh, a yeah. like, that is, that is a, that is a fond memory from that first movie, oh or, yeah. you know Dr. Malcolm walking up dr Malcolm uh telling them you know Dr. Malcolm, you know his speech about first there's running and screaming and yeah. eating. I don't know I don't know whatever yeah,
1: yeah it's, it, at first it's the ooing and the awing, then it's the running and the screaming, and the
0: screaming, yeah, yeah, um like I love those characters, but i'm and I'm happy that they're back. I'm just not super nostalgic for those characters.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, and and that's not to diminish, you know, their, their involvement in the movie, obviously. I mean, we wouldn't, the the quotes that we quote from the movie all come from these characters without these characters in this, in the, in the movie, we wouldn't be able to quote anything other than roars and, and screeches. Um, So, you know, I mean, that's a great, that's a great big polish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, uh, but, you know, uh, uh, life uh, uh, finds a way. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just, I I don't know. I just, to me, it feels like the, the hype, the amount of hype that people are giving them returning just feels almost like not forced, but almost like manufactured because I just don't think that there was a lot of, a lot of nostalgia for these characters Maybe. until the studio said, "Hey, you remember these characters? We're bringing them back." Oh, now I now I suddenly have all these fond and you know wonderful things about these characters, and I can't live without these characters coming back. It's like I,
0: I don't know. I, I think this this is in no way to diminish the Jurassic Park franchise, but really, we're we're kind of here to see the dinosaurs,
1: honestly. Yeah. Oh, and, and one of the dinosaurs that is making a return, uh, is the spitter, the Dilophosaurus.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's a practical effect too. It's a practical effect. The behind the, did yes. You, did you see, did you see the behind the scenes photo that the guy that, that, that worked on it posted? Um, that it is an act. The Dilophosaurus is an actual like practical effect. I'm sure that there's going to be some CGI involved. Oh yeah, for but sure. The, like the, 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 fr- the, the frill opening and the spitting I'm Garrett. It's going to be, that's going to be a practical effect. And I'm really looking forward to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, lots of excitement. I am really excited for it. I'm just kind of tempering my excitement with the realization that, you know, the last couple of movies haven't really super thrilled me. So, kind of tempering it a little bit but i yeah. but i am excited for it I nonetheless am. uh moving on to the next bit of news because we do have a good bit of news so we need to get through this um the trailer sure. for don brothers the new super sentai series uh dropped i mean we've seen a lot of photos we've seen a lot of clips we have a full trailer that they put out this is i mean to me weird yeah to me toei is purposely making super sentai series that are just absolutely impossible for an american power rangers adaptation because with was it zinkiger zinkiger was just absolutely just like i don't know how you could even adapt that to to power rangers and then this this is impossible you cannot adapt this into a power rangers We've talked about it because we saw the 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 photos of this, so we've already kind of talked a lot about this. But what did you think of the trailer for it?
0: I mean, it looks okay. So I've watched a little bit of Zinkiger. It's it's weird. It's but it's fun to some degree. I've only seen a few episodes. If I can track down episodes to this, I'll watch it. Um, but. I just am so turned off by the fact that the pink ranger and the black ranger are, are full on CGI like that. Probably. I think that turns me off the most out of, out of all of it because, and, and, and I hope it's gotten, and I hope it'll be, I hope it'll get better, but Japanese CGI is not great. So, and I, and I don't even know what it is about it, but it's, it just, it's, it just doesn't look as good as what we're doing here in the States. As far as CGI goes, like Japan excels so well at practical effects, but they kind of falter in their CGI. And I know Shin Godzilla is sort of the exception because Shin Godzilla did look good to, for the most part, but like, I don't have high expectations for the CGI, for the full CGI Rangers, in this, like, I'm just kind of disappointed that they went this route, but again, I'm probably not going to be the audience for it.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're not, we're not the audience, uh, for this. Something that I know I didn't realize until I was looking up information about this series, but this series is actually the, cause you know, every, Every Super Sentai series draws inspiration from somewhere, uh, you know, whether it be dinosaurs yeah. or, or you know, wh- whatever they're themed around. Sure. And this mm-hmm. one's actually themed around the Japanese legend or story of Momotaro. And I didn't know that. Now, suddenly, mm-hmm. a lot of the things make sense. Terrible CGI. Is that dis- the Monkey King? No, 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 no. That's that's not Monkey King. That's, uh, that's actually a Chinese legend, Journey to the West um okay it has monkey king in it uh no momotaro is a peach boy it's it's about a boy who was uh it was a couple who wanted a child who they were too old to have a child uh this is the version of the story i heard anyway uh and then they they open up they Mm -hmm. find this big peach they open up the peach and there's a boy inside uh and they raise him and then he goes off when he gets older goes off on adventures and he makes friends so he makes friends with a monkey he makes friends with a, a dog and a bird and i that's the ones mm. that i know if i can't think of what the other ones if they're what the other characters are um and if you look at the the don brothers is it a is it
0: a is it a, is it a dragon i don't i don't know what is are. it a, does he make friends with it is he make friends? Uh, i was because i was trying to think okay because uh, so obviously the the red the red ranger is the boy Right, And the pink ranger is the bird. The pink ranger is the bird. The black ranger is the dog slash fox. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, a wolf, whatever. Um, the blue ranger is the monkey, because it looks like a baboon with its little red butt. Right. And the yellow ranger, she has spikes on her, so... I'm not hundred percent sure what she's supposed to be. At first, people I saw people trying to say she was like, like a snapping turtle or something, which I think there are snapping turtles in Japanese lore. I think that's part of it, um, but something else. I don't know. I like I, I don't know if she's supposed to be like a turtle. Some
1: I thought a cat. I thought she was more of a cat, but but she could be a turtle. <sighs> um, could be. She could be if I remember right. No, no, Momotaro wasn't the one that was the they had the learned frog magic so i don't think she's a frog i, I really don't know i really i really don't know i need to re, i need to go back and, and and look up momotaro and and see the story again but I, I just i i remember bits and pieces of it not the whole thing but i did learn a little bit about it i know that it was used in world war ii as uh as propaganda um for uh so you know that's that's fun um but uh anyway i just i so so the, the character designs start to make a little bit more sense once i realized that that's what the theme of this uh series was but at the same time i am with you mm. japanese cgi is not that great to begin with you know it, it's okay it's serviceable for the most part but but you know they're just yeah they just don't have the 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 big huge Studios and the amount of money and and the the uh uh the willingness to abuse the people who work on these things, like the American studios (laughs) do. Um, (laughs) so, and force them to work overtime. That's
0: another discussion for another time.
1: Yes. Um, but so, so they just don't have the, the, like the level of CGI that American studios do. And especially for television. So it is kind of weird Mm. to have, just have two characters that are fully CGI in this, uh, in the series. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, I'm not – i it's – I'm not going to probably watch it. I might watch, like, the first – I'll do, like, what I did with Kyger, which is watch the first couple of episodes and then, you know, drop mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, th- like like we said, this is not – we're not the audience for this. And so no. that's okay. Uh, it does look weird. It It, it makes me – more and more believe the rumors, which is that they're, the the rift between Toho and Hasbro, not Toho, Toei and Hasbro, are growing, and that the that there's the the likelihood that they're not going to adapt many more of these Super Sentai series into Power Rangers and start doing more original Power Rangers because it just feels like Toei is starting to go in a direction where it's like, yeah, we don't have to try to make this into something that can appeal to American audiences as well.
0: Yeah. this like there, that's been the rumor for a while. Uh, it's not confirmed that they're going to do that, but kind of the, the signs are there that, you know, eventually Power Rangers, as we know it will not be not, will will cease to exist like because At this point, I think we talked about it uh, on our uh, crossover episode with the Henshin men. I think that's what I think it's when we talked about. I know we've talked about it on this on this podcast before, but the use of Sentai footage has just more or less become a tradition than a requirement at this point.
1: Yeah, and it it always comes down to to money. How much money is Hasbro willing to fork out to use that footage? How much money can they put towards developing their own you know stuff that they don't need to waste footage, and you know there's a lot of logistics and stuff it, behind it. But I, I just I, I do feel like that is the direction that things are going. So if the announcement, it, we don't know for sure that that's that's the direction it's going, but that's what it looks like to us that it's going. So if they made the announcement like tomorrow that Toei and hasbro are no longer going to you know they're not going to work together to make power rangers power rangers is going to now be completely original you know completely holy u.s made not using super sentai footage i wouldn't be surprised it would not surprise me um no
0: no i would be i would be i would be kind of sad you know not maybe not sad but just kind of like oh well that's kind of the end of a it's kind of the end of a
1: long era, you know? It's like yeah, the end oh, yeah. of like a 30-year tradition. Moving on to the next bit of news, we had another trailer for the comedy horror film Crabs. <laughs> this is an independent <laughs> horror comedy film that's being that's that's uh coming out, uh, and it's about crab creatures, giant crab creatures that attack a town and kill people. And basically it's just a big gore fest. That's meant to be funny.
0: Let me tell you, if this, if this movie does not encourage you to practice safe sex, I don't think anything will.
1: I think the movie teeth probably would have made me want to practice that. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Oh oh, oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) Anyway, like there's, uh, There's a lot of, there's a lot of
0: commentary. Does that
1: count as kaiju? (laughs) Um, I mean, maybe, but do you really want to cover that on the podcast? No, no, I don't. No, I don't really. No. Um, so, uh, this movie, like it looks dumb, but I mean, like that's the point. It's meant to be kind of campy and dumb. Um, it's not for me because it does lean a little too heavy in the into the gore side of, of horror I sure. don't mind horror films that are more psychological or you know just uh, monster related but are not super gory I'm not a big fan of just big gore fests um I just you know that just doesn't appeal to me and this yeah. this is definitely like a huge gore fest
0: yeah it's it it looks it looks uh, okay. Honestly, it looks like an asylum. I don't know who's making this thing. Is asylum making this thing? Oh, no, no, no. This is Um, not an asylum film. Okay. Well, it looks better. I was going to say it looks better than, than like an asylum movie. I I thought it was an asylum movie, honestly, but it looks better than an asylum movie. It just looks dumb. So for that reason, we're probably going to cover it on the podcast.
1: The, um, the way it was described online is zombievers meets godzilla and this is definitely more in the zombievers side of things than a godzilla <laughs> side of things well there is a giant there
0: is apparently a giant mech there so
1: there, there's that there is a giant well there's a giant uh, there is a giant the giant crab i am not seeing seeing who made this or who's putting it out i mean um yeah, it's not telling me now, why am I not able to find out who who's what studio is putting this out. I know it's an independent. Well,
0: eventually yeah. Well, we we know that this will wind up on Walmart shelves at some point eventually. Uh if not SRS. Uh I don't know this I don't know this maybe even a little bit too dignified for SRS. Who knows. Um I don't know what else to say about it. It looks Nuts. It looks like a big gore fest, like you and I talked about, like a lot of body horror and the the premise is giant crabs, which we don't get a whole lot. I will probably watch this and go into it expecting to be either disappointed, pleasantly surprised, or yeah, that's what I thought which I'm probably going to be leaning towards. Yeah. That's what I thought.
1: Um, but yeah, here's the, here's the movie info for people who are interested. And cause like, like there is an audience for this type of thing. And, and, and just because oh, yeah, we're sure. not yeah, the yeah. audience doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it. And that's perfectly fine. The, it, it, so here's the info. It says, Get ready for shell shock. It's the Beavers meets Godzilla hybrid you always craved in the creature feature comedy horror of the year. Mutated by nuclear runoff, a horde of murderous horseshoe crabs uh, descend on a sleepy oh. California town, causing prom night terror. As the deadly crustaceans claw their way through the disbelieving population, it's up to a ramshackle band of students and local law enforcement to address the increasingly ginormous crab menace. In a love letter to such practical effects horrors as gremlins and nostalgic Roger Corman classics, I, okay, I still I feel like they're trying too hard. This this is my problem with these movies. Sometimes is like. They want mm. to feel like they're not trying at all, which is kind of the, the humor of it. It's like, look how stupid we are because we're not even putting any effort into this. But also mm. they feel like they're trying too hard to get people's attention. Like they, they mentioned zombievers, Godzilla, Godzilla uh gremlins roger corman prom night they are mentioning all these other things that are that are supposed to make you go ooh ah because you know these are things i know and i like i just i I Mm. don't know I, i don't know this this movie is definitely not for me
0: yeah i mean it's you don't like i know you don't like movies like i can have fun with movies like this but i know you don't like them You don't you I think what you said on the podcast that you like movies that go in trying to make a good movie and it just ends up being a bad movie. It sounds like they're just trying to make a schlocky bad movie. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because because like, you know, some of the best so bad they're good movies were not movies that were intended to be bad some of them maybe but not all of them were like they they just they they went into it with the with the idea of making something good and then just failed so miserably that it's funny and mm-hmm. it's and, and and the movie is funny yeah. but this just feels like i don't know and, and even like in the in the trailer some of the jokes just seemed too like they were trying too hard like they're trying too hard Mm. to be like yeah yeah we're silly we're we're goofy huh it's like no no Mm. you're that's that's not the type of comedy that i like i like smart comedy and this is just as and i like dumb movies too but but again i like movies that are dumb in a smart way i guess is the best way to put it and i don't know how else to describe that and this just seems dumb in a dumb way (laughs) to me
0: right it's the the two companies that are putting it out are, as we I guess we guessed, they're already small. It's the Ojala Productions. I hope I'm saying that right. And Young Gunner Films okay. is
1: what is, is who is putting this thing out. Okay. Thank you, Danny. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, this movie's not for me, but if it's for you, great. I'm glad that you can enjoy it, and uh, it's out there. And but it, it it's in the world of giant monsters, and so the trailer dropped, and we had to talk about it. And we may have to cover it on the podcast at some point. I mean, I've already kind of spoiled. Maybe watching it, it won't actually be so bad. This is all just judgment, just based on the trailers. So you know, maybe right. if we watch it for the for the podcast, it might be. It might change my mind. I don't know. But to me, I just am not. I, I, this does not seem like the type of movie I would enjoy. Uh, moving on, just a quick bit of news. I was going to say, but speaking of something we know we will enjoy. Yes. Uh, so it's been announced that A Quiet Place 3 is in development, but it is said that it will not be ready or out until 2025 which just feels Uh, and it's only it's only three years but that still feels forever i know
0: it does it does you know why it does because we've i feel like we've had like this um this monster boom lately and we're heading for and i don't i don't want to sound like a debbie downer but i feel like we're heading for that lull period where we're not gonna get much as far as like bigger budget monster movies. So we're going to get a bunch of independent films, which I'll
1: tell you why it feels like it's going to be forever till 2025 because it's still 2019. Like we haven't left 2019 for the last three years. It's still 2019. (laughs) (laughs) That's why 2025 feels like forever. We've been stuck in 2019 for the last three years.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. um, But, um, but yeah, I, I feel like we're going to go, we're heading into this. I feel like we're going to get a lull period where we're not going to get like big budget monster movies for a while. And what's going to keep, and I've said this on the podcast before, what's going to keep the genre alive is independent films like crabs and
1: a quiet, Life. all
0: the other, like, a quiet yeah like a quiet place and like the uh, i like the stuff coming out of srs like um uh great buddha arrival and Nezra and how from beyond the fog those types of films i think are going to help keep the genre alive and stable until we can get something more down the line that's just my perspective i don't know i could be wrong i hope i'm wrong
1: yeah yeah what what gets me is because the the first movie the first the 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 amount of time between the first and second movie was like only a year as far as like getting it filmed and done was was like a year Mm -hmm. and it took a little bit longer for the second one to be released because of covid but it still was done in in like a year after the first one came out so so why are they taking so long for this third one here's my thinking on this so I'm not I'm still not 100% sold on the rumors that that John Krasinski is and and Emily Blunt are going to be playing Mr. Fantastic and The Invisible Woman in the Fantastic Four. but that I mm-hmm. I do believe that they are involved in a Marvel production of some kind, whether that be Fantastic Four or whether that be something else I don't know but but I do think that they're involved in something big like that and so maybe that's what's pushing this back some because they can't work on this until they get done with the bigger thing that they're already doing that's also hush hush and secret and that's why they're not saying it i think you're right that they are involved
0: in something a little bit bigger and that's what's gonna and that's what's gonna delay this thing for three years because i know there's i'm not trying to denigrate what goes into making a movie like this but it's a pretty small cast. I would assume like Mm -hmm. the quiet place is not a big casted movie and, and they film on and it's, I feel like, like you said, they were able to pump out the first one pretty quickly. You know, they're able to do the second one. I should say pretty quickly apart from the first one. And it has to be just a mix of other projects they're working on, you know, extra precautions you know due to due to covid you know that kind of stuff that's delaying this thing
1: i mean we're in a world where we've had two sonic the hedgehog movies that have come out in the midst of a of the pandemic so the fact that oh god a quiet place 3 is taking this long to to get going and get actually out means that there's got to be something going on behind the scenes whether that whether that's fantastic Four, them getting involved in that or just involved in something bigger that's taking up that time so that they have to push this smaller project back that's all that that's all i wanted to say about that as far as like the date to me being three years away not only does it feel like forever but it also seems like that kind of answers the question that a lot of people have been asking are they involved in something big with like Marvel or Disney or, or Warner brothers and DC or one of those, you know, big powerhouse company franchises that are taking over the world. Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's all that I have to say. I mean, there's nothing really more to say about this. It's just the, the announcement that it is in development. Yay. But it's still going to take a while. Boo. Okay. Yay! Movie. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next bit of news. <laughs> um Bandai has opened up voting for the next Movie Monster series figure. So Bandai has been putting out these Movie Monster series uh figures for a while. They're really cool. They're they're not they're they're on the cheaper side of things. Uh more on my level. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um and now they've opened up the voting for the next one that they're gonna put out. Um, Michael, you know more about this than I do, so take over and, and tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, the
0: the it's just really quick. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna breeze through this really quickly. So for the last few years, Bandai has been doing voting for what's gonna be the next Movie Monster series. It's the whole reason why we got a brand new like Gorosaurus figure and the whole re- and why we got an actual like Megalon figure uh, a couple of years back. So You know, they're taking votes and I'm not, I don't have the list in front of me, but I think it is Gabara, Varan, Ebera, Kamunga, Super Mechagodzilla from uh, 1990, from the Heisei era. Uh, who else? A Minya, another Titanosaurus. And there's someone else that I'm forgetting, but I'm, it's, I'm blanking on it right now. Oh, uh, Kamakras, Um, so as of right now and as of the vote super mecha godzilla is is winning and a lot of fans are complaining because it's like oh we already have like 120 mecha super mecha godzilla's out in the wild give us Varan or someone that has not had good representation in the in the band of in, in the form of a bandai figure ever er, in a long time or if ever so i voted i voted for um I voted actually for uh, for uh, Gabra. I don't know why. I just thought a <laughs> Gabra figure could be pretty cool. I don't know. I just like the design of Gabra. So
1: yeah, I was gonna ask you uh, what which one you were gonna vote for. So Gabra, Gabra is the one you <laughs> voted for.
0: I think yeah, I voted for, I voted for Gabra. I know a lot of people voted for Varan. Um, I'm surprised no, you didn't vote for Manila. Is, uh no. No, I don't like that ugly little freak all that much. Um, <laughs> I I see a lot of people that have voted and they're like super they're super mad that Super Mecha G is winning because everyone it, it's led people to it's led people to complain like ah Toa, uh, Bandai must have like a, a stockpile of Super Mecha Gs in their warehouse they just want to get rid of. Um, which could be the case. I don't know. Um, who, who knows? Anyway, that's that. So we can move on to the next uh, quick little collector's new news item, which is Super Seven is totally killing it with their uh, lines. And Super Seven is a lot. You'll know Super Seven for doing the like the very nostalgic lines of toys. Like their their I think their their biggest line right now is the Reaction figures, which is like the little like four to five inch figures for, and they do like pop culture icons. They have, they have everything from like the Simpsons to planet of the apes to Rick and Morty to, uh, the monsters are, they do they did a reaction oh. line of the monsters of all things.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking it up now. I know, I know it. I know these. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're like these little tiny, like four to five inch figures. They just put out a bunch of stuff for power Rangers uh, and transformers, but their bigger line of toys, which is they, which they call their super cyborg line, uh, is putting out a, um, is putting out a Go- uh, Mechagodzilla 1974. Um, and the super side, Cy- I should say the super cyborg line are about 11 to 12 inches tall. So they're going to oh, be wow. putting out like a, yeah, they're going to be putting out a, um, Uh, a version of, of Mechagodzilla 74 for that line and a dragon Zord to go along with the, with the Megazord that they put out last year. Um, which I like them. I have, I have a few of the, the super cyborg. Uh, they're just, they don't feel cheap, but they are just hollow plastic. They are Mm -hmm. just like hollow plastic collectibles. They are not meant to be played with uh even on the box that you get them like this is not like this is not a toy you cannot don't play with this um but you know you know they're, yeah. they're nice figures they're fair they're fairly affordable they're like anywhere between 75 to 80 bucks
1: yeah it looks like they're they're like recreating like the uh kenner look to um you know, yeah the old that's, kenner action that's a figure. good way to,
0: yeah yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like the, if you, if anyone out there remembers like the old Kenner star Wars toys that come in the bubble packs, it's like those.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the, uh, Megazord one now. Um, it looks, it looks really cool. I have
0: the, the screen accurate paint one and the all red translucent one.
1: Oh, um, okay.
0: I mean, I, I got them from our friend at Kaiju live AJ Um, he, you know, he let me have, he let me, he gave me a pretty good deal on those. This, um, this
1: gold painted Optimus prime in the bubble pack, like, you know, Kenner style. Oh man, that looks nice.
0: Yeah. They have a, a really chrome, they have like an all Chrome Megatron. Um, I've seen them like they pop up a lot at, um, targets like target does a lot of super seven stuff. Um, and, and the whole thing the whole thing with Super 7 is they lean really heavy into nostalgia.
1: Right, uh, yeah. Like
0: really really heavy into nostalgia.
1: Well, yeah, like like I said they're recreating kind of the Kenner action figure look. Um it looks like all mm-hmm. their all of the properties that they that they have that they're releasing it's like, you know, like you said you have Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh they even have oh, some yeah. some uh Who Framed Roger Rabbit figures. Yeah. Oh, yeah, be- <laughs> I
0: saw those the other day. Ghostbusters
1: yeah, I'm just looking through all the different things that they have in here. I mean, they're nice. They they are nice. Uh so, yeah, that's that's cool. Uh not super duper expensive either because they they seem to like you said they're more on the cheaper side as far as like the the figures themselves, so they can keep their, you know, price point kind of at a reasonable rate.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the reaction figures Depending on what you get, they're like anywhere between like sixteen to twenty four dollars. I know that they just put out their line of Power Ranger toys, and I don't have any of these. Um, they're a little bit too small for what I like. But um, the Power Ranger stuff is like eighteen bucks, and the like the Megazord, like the Dragonzord, and the and the Megazord is like twenty four bucks. And for what they are, it's a little bit too expensive, but you know, if you're like a box collector and you don't plan and you're like one of those people that just collects things, you know, and leaves them in the packaging and admires them for what they are, then these are great. Like, like these are not, these are things you're going to like want to hang. I I know, you know, people have the hooks on the wall and they hang their little bubble packs of toys like this. If that's what you're into reaction figures are great because I think like the art is spectacular on these. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's really quick. It's more time than I really wanted to spend on it, but yeah, it's super, we're getting Mechagodzilla and, and Dragonzord, which is really exciting. I'll probably pick up both of them.
1: Nice. Yeah, I I would, I would would love, uh, if I could, if I can, if I have the money at the time, I wouldn't mind getting the, uh, Dragonzord one. That looks cool. Uh, yeah, so that's cool. Uh, quick bit of news, the next bit of news is something that we forgot to mention last week because our friend and uh, former guest host, uh, who's been on here quite a few times now and is going to be on here again and at a future episode, but shh, we haven't talked about that yet. Shh. Um, Sam, uh, Dr. Sam Perrin, he sent us a bit of news to talk about, which is... We had a species of branching worm that was discovered over in Japan. Uh, It says Mm -hmm. it was discovered in Japan's Sado Island, uh, off the coast of Japan's Sado Island. Uh, And it was named after King Ghidorah. Its scientific name is Ramacillus king Ghidorah.
0: Which is really funny and really interesting at the same time because I feel like they're they're they gave it that name because of the the noodle King Ghidorah from the anime trilogy. Right. Um which would make it which would make a ton of sense. Um because I looked up what a branching worm was and it does make a lot of sense that they would call it King Ghidorah. It's just kind of funny that we're getting like an actual animal or actual thing in biology named king Ghidorah and it's not just a a fantasy dragon anymore
1: yeah yeah well that's what's interesting because yeah when if you look at the picture of what a branching worm looks like because it it branches Mm -hmm. out uh like a tree you know it has like little branches that come off of it it does kind of look like the noodle the little noodle Ghidorah things that we saw in the anime trilogy um the funny thing is though those are not heads uh those are actually its butts um it only oh. has one head, but it has uh the branches end in in uh, multiple butts. Um so that's a interesting bit of biology. <laughs> that's okay. Which which does okay. beg the question. <laughs> Ghidorah has three heads, no uh-huh. arms, two tails, uh-huh. how many butts? Or does he have a cloaca?
0: uh i'm gonna say cloaca cloaca cloaca. Clo- wait. cloaca cloaca. that's the little like flap that hides the penis right no is no thing?
1: no a, a cloaca is uh or cloaca is a uh, is the poop hole and the reproductive hole oh okay <laughs> it's like a lot of birds and lizards and stuff have that because they, they don't have a uh, separate uh you know like some like a lot most mammals and stuff will have you know separate parts of the body that we're, we're getting way too deep into this for just a silly bit of we're, we <laughs> we are um <laughs> um anyway uh i did want to mention this is this is not the first time that a real life animal has been named after a uh a a a thing from pop culture definitely not a lot of animals that are discovered in nature are named after things in pop culture um but this is also Mm -hmm. not the first time that a toho monster has been used in naming a thing and if you hear the dogs clicking and clacking in the background it's just the doggy walking by
0: no he's fine he needs his he needs his little nails clipped it's fine
1: yeah um but we have had well it's i don't think it's i don't think they still use it but there was a godzillasaurus for a little while but i think that 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 species has been identified as something else or or like it was actually it was actually something else that that was already identified so that name doesn't apply to it anymore but that was there was actually mm-hmm. but there was actually uh, a spider just a few years ago that was named after kumanga
0: yeah i remember didn't we cover that
1: i think we, we did that, we? i think we did i think it was one of our like- early topics or, or not early but yeah. early news items science is weird and scientists are nerds Anyway, uh, probably the biggest news, and oh boy, man, it has taken a while to get down to this this point, but I'm going to probably edit a bunch of stuff out, so we'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, the biggest news that we had this week, at least in the Godzilla slash Kaiju Tokusatsu world, is the announcement that there is a Shin Universe collaboration project, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that is titled Shin Japan Heroes Universe uh, that has been announced. So, this is working with Hideaki Ano, uh, who has been involved, not directed, but involved in uh, Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman shin common rider which still hasn't come out well, Shin Ultraman still hasn't come out and the the revival slash remake of evangelion which is called shin evangelion um and so they're combining those four properties together into a big collaboration call and calling it shin japan heroes universe
0: so here's my okay I here I'm, I'm, I am trying to tamper my expectations because do we, do we know if this is going to be like, have they said anything about it being like actual films, television shows, or is what I'm suspecting it is, is just merchandise.
1: So that's what I wanted to talk about a little bit. I want to put this out there for and I know no one is who who I'm actually talking addressing this to is actually listening to us but I'm still going to put this out into the universe just so that hopefully somebody can hear this. Sure. There's been a lot of clickbait articles that have said, oh, you know, they're they're doing this shared universe Marvel style movie crossover where all these movies are gonna, you know, come together and they're gonna be one big huge thing. That is not what they have said. Nowhere in the announcement for this, in in Japanese and translated to English, has have they said that this is a shared universe, cinematic universe thing. That is happening. Uh, What, what, what uh, our friend G man from the drift space podcast uh, lovingly referred to as uh, the the cinematic universe, (laughs) 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 but they nowhere have they mentioned that this is going to be movies or a cinematic thing. We don't know exactly what this is yet because they haven't actually said. So here is the the announcement from the website. Uh, It was written in Japanese and translated to English, so it's a little bit broken. Some of it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I'll read it out how they have it, Uh, and, and we'll see what they say. So it says, In 2022, the Shin era begins to move. Shin Japan Heroes Universe, a miracle project in which four works, Shin Godzilla, Shin Evangelion, theatrical version, Shin Ultraman, and Shin Kamen Rider collaborate will start. So collaboration will start. So this is a collaboration between these different properties. We know that much. This project was launched by Toho, Color, Tsuburaya Productions, and Toei. From the connection of the work with Shin, in which the rare creator Hideaki Anno participates, the dream collaboration of four heroes, I wouldn't call Shin Godzilla a hero, but okay, uh, representing Japan has been realized beyond the boundaries of the company. Starting with Shin Godzilla, In 2016, Shin Shin Evangelion Theatrical Version uh, was released in 2021 as a standby work on May 13th, 2022. Shin Ultraman will be released on on the day, and Shin Kamen Rider will be released in March 2023. The main visual of this project is Maeda. Maeda, Maeda. Uh, The emblem is by yutaka Izubuchi uh and two people who are deeply involved in each series will color the launch of this large-scale project and that's it that's all we that's all that we know as of right now this is a collaboration work between multiple companies centered around kind of the creative direction i guess of hideaki ano who's participated in all of these things in one way or another, whether being director, screenplay writer, um, right. producer, all that kind of stuff, and we don't know. I so I am on the side of this is going to be merchandise. This is going to be a big, huge, and which like I know that after hearing the words cinematic universe and movie crossovers, the idea of merchandise is kind of a little bit of a downstep. but the idea that you're doing merchandise that is a collaboration between four big companies in Japan,
0: like how they got Tsuburaya and Toei to work together is, is
1: beyond me. Toho, Tsuburaya, and Toei together, working together, is just like, these three companies do not play well together or play well with others, generally, uh, from what, just from experience of seeing how they've worked with other companies before. And they're collaborating together to do something. We, again, we don't know exactly what it is, but they're doing something. That's a big deal. It is. That's well, a huge deal it's a huge deal. And
0: I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and they were asking me just to give my opinion. And I said, like you, it's going to be merchandise. I don't think we're going to see a film anytime soon. I don't think we're going to see if, honestly, I don't think we're going to see a film ever. Um, I don't even think we're going to get a television special. I think it's going to be merchandise. I honest to God, think it's just going to be merchandise and that's it. But they asked me what if, so I'm going to just say, what if here, if they did do a film, and how I would personally write it, I would make, I would make Shin Godzilla, the, the bad, I would make Shin Godzilla, the villain, the antagonist, he would be the threat they have to, to, to the Ultraman, Common Rider, and Eva one would have to be, uh, put up against to stop. But here's the caveat. If they did do that and they wanted to make another theatrical Shin movie, Shin Godzilla movie, I should say then they could maybe play around with those really unique ideas that they had from the original shin where they had like the humanoid creatures growing out of its tail. And that could be like, like you could have an army of humanoid Godzillas and like the actual Godzilla facing off against Ultraman and Kamen Rider and, and evil one, you know? Um, but that's, That's pie in the sky stuff. I'm with you. I think it's going to be merchandise. Like, I know people are like, oh, it's a cinematic universe. And every time we, every time us in the West, as Americans, we hear collaboration, we automatically think, oh, it's a cinematic universe. No, it's not. It's going to be merchandise.
1: And to be fair, because I have seen some people on Twitter actually use that as like an insult or a complaint against western, you know, fans who are just always jumping at the cinematic universe, shared universe thing. Yeah. To be fair, it's because we've been trained that way. We are we are the dogs. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a Pavlovian response that we have after being trained for now over a decade that every big franchise needs to become yeah. a cinematic universe to make a, to be successful, you know, like, and it's not just the, the comic book movies that have done it. It's also, you know, the, the star Wars and, and even star Trek with all of its branching different series and all being part of the shared universe thing. Yeah. And the, 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 uh, soon power Rangers. Yeah. Power Rangers is starting to do its own cinematic universe. And, and, uh, and um the universal monsters were trying, they've been trying for years to do a cinematic universe with them. And it's just like, so like, don't use that as like an insult for us when we're just being trained by the studios they're the ones that have actually like trained us to be this way uh to react to things this way um but no i do i do think that it was uh it is definitely a big leap for people to, to go out and say oh this is definitely going to happen it's a cinematic shared universe it's like no no that's not what they said more than likely, it's just going to be merchandise. We're not 100% sure. They haven't actually said. Again, just the idea of these companies working together, that's, that's just a big deal, period. Because what does that mean for the future? What does that mean for the future? Could we, if this, if this itself is not a, a, a crossover movie thing, the fact that these companies are working together, could we in the future get
0: mm-hmm.
1: Ultraman versus Godzilla? or Godzilla versus common Rider, or, you know, any of the combinations that we we've seen, like it, Mm. this may not be the shared universe that everybody was hyping up, but it does open the door. It does mean that, Hey, these, these companies are showing that they're working together. So there's a possibility for something in the future. Yeah. It opens the door and there's one, one studio
0: that's being left out here. One yes. major studio that's being left out. That is Daiei Katakawa.
1: Yes. And, and and to be fair, because Hideaki Anno hasn't done anything for Katakawa yet. Sure. Um, I say sure. yet because much like our friend Brandon McClure from the Fake Nerds podcast, I am still like desperately pleading for a Shin camera directed by, or at least in some way involving Hideaki Anno.
0: <laughs> I think it's going to happen eventually. My, my feeling is it's going to happen eventually. If he's done, he's done all these four major franchises at this point. <clears throat> Shin Gamera is the one he hasn't done yet or hasn't touched yet. I mean, it's only, in my opinion, it's only a matter of time.
1: Yeah. I mean, he has, he also hasn't touched uh, a super sentai yet. So, you know, that's also a thing. That's true.
0: Yeah, that's, that's true.
1: Um, But yeah, that's, that's really, I I don't know what else to say about this other than the artwork that they put out for this looks amazing and is going to be my new phone background.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's beautiful artwork and it gets in it. Honestly, I can see why people are excited about it and, and why people are kind of drawing their own conclusions from this. Like it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential with something like this. I just don't think, I just don't think we're going to, it's not going to be what we're all hoping it's going to be. And it's just going to be, merchandise and i yeah. hate to, and i hate to be that guy but it's i sincerely don't think it's going to be anything other than just merchandise yeah
1: which which merchandise like we, like we said that's not a bad thing you know to, to the, no it's the, not. The, this is yeah. happening it's just it's just that once you once you have the thought of a cinematic universe a a shin the magic universe uh the idea of just it just being merchandise is kind of a step down but but like the idea of 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 you know merchandise that features Godzilla and Ultraman and and Marvel, actual licensed stuff that has these characters together it, it, it's right. it yeah i think that's i think it's really cool and and who knows who knows what the plan is um but yeah it is just interesting it is an interesting time i i just think it's really neat that uh 2022 so far has been the year of the crossover because we've got this crossover we've also got the uh godzilla versus the power rangers crossover and who knows what other crossovers we'll see in the future uh, moving on to our main topic now Finally. <laughs> a lot of that's probably gonna get cut out. So uh uh hello uh me who is editing this podcast and going to cut all of this thing out and spend all night working on this episode because we are doing this at the very, 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 very last minute. Um we like to introduce our main topics <laughs> with a trivia question that we ask at the end of each episode that hints to what we're covering. So the trivia question I asked last week. Was, what 1963 children's book was adapted into an animated short film, a live-action movie, and an opera? And we had a bunch of fun answers. So let's get through some of these answers. Starting with uh, one of our favorite uh, listeners who likes to send us all kinds of things and interact with us on Twitter, Chris Deggle. Who sent in the very hungry caterpillar, aka the unofficial origin story of Batra? Huh.
0: I remember reading the hungry, hungry cat, the very hungry caterpillar as a kid. And it's actually it's a really good answer. Thanks, Chris.
1: That is a very good answer. I thought that was very creative. Very good. Very good, sir. Uh, <laughs> moving on to, I want to say this person's name as Terry Hesticles. But I'm pretty sure it's meant to be read as Terry Hesticles. Um, yep. Anyway, he sent us Charlotte's Web. <laughs> uh, thank you, Terry. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, good answer. Not the correct answer, but good answer. Uh, another one of our favorite listeners who, uh, interacts with us a lot on social media, Damon Damon noise, Damon noise sent the hungry, hungry Kaiju pillar. (laughs) Thank you, Damon. And then we got
0: this guy from this other podcast that I don't know why, what he spoke. He lives on an Island with monsters, uh, something he wrote in the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. Thanks guy from
1: that podcast who we've never heard Nathan, of or who talked we've, to
0: who we've never heard of or talked to at all no not he he's never not like he's on
1: this podcast so many times <laughs>
0: which he's not been on this podcast well he's not been on this podcast in a while but we do have other shows with him involved so yeah uh, we're not trying to be mean audio listener we're talking about nathan of the monster island film vault podcast thank you nate appreciate it we're just busting your
1: balls a little bit buddy uh and speaking up. no never mind never mind no um crystal oh, lady jessica yeah. sent us <laughs> the luminous fairies and mothra yay what a what a pretty answer you thank you jessica uh, and then this weird podcast I had never heard of before called the power trip podcast sent us a weird sounds like a it, it sounds like a podcast
0: that does a lot of drugs.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those two hosts are definitely high every time they're on there. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: This must have been sent by that other guy that I was talking about.
1: Yeah. Uh, sent us a children's Power Rangers picture book called heap of trouble
0: which i had as a kid i don't have it now it's probably at my parents old house but
1: apparently whoever sent this in has it because they must they must have stolen it from you because they sent in the picture
0: (laughs) i guess or they just ripped it off of like an ebay listing who knows
1: uh the 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 power trip podcast is a member of the kaiju ramen podcast network just like kaiju weekly so uh yeah, go listen to that if you love Power Rangers and you want to hear more about them. Uh, we also have our friends over at the Giant Monster BS Podcast who sent us. We haven't heard from these. We haven't heard from these guys in a while. Uh, I thought you were gonna say we haven't heard from these jerks in forever. <laughs>
0: no, I. I mean, I haven't. We. I'm not. I, wasn't I was. I was thinking it, but I wasn't
1: saying it. <laughs> well,
0: you. It's because you're. The, it's because I'm the nice one. Um. So, so, yeah, our, our friends at giant monster BS send in an answer. It's, uh, the, uh, the, um, the, I think it, uh, the, um, the, the, uh, the, I, um, um, boss baby,
1: boss baby. Okay. Maybe a question. Boss, boss, baby? Um, boss baby, boss baby, boss, Bo- boss b- baby, boss baby, <laughs> boss
0: baby, there we go. Channel my inner Elijah boss baby.
1: Um <laughs> thank you guys for sending that answer in. Uh and then another podcast that is also part of the Kaiju Ramen podcasting network, uh hosted by Yours Truly. I'm not going to be mean about this podcast because I'm the host of it. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh sent in this was Nathan again. Uh he co-hosts this podcast, the Henshin men podcast that talks about uh Japanese superheroes and their high flying and high kicking adventures. Go listen to it if you like uh Common Rider, Ultraman, Super Sentai, all those things. Mostly Common Rider. We talk a lot about Common Rider. Uh <laughs> Who totally ripped off our uh our award system. From Don't award. you start with me? I should have. I should have copyrighted that so that you couldn't have stolen it. <laughs> you stole. You stole it. That just means it was a good idea.
0: No, it actually was a good idea. It was an. It was. It was a good idea stolen from another good idea. But we uh, took it. We took it and made it better.
1: But the answer that was sent in was "Babe Pigmon in the City." That was very creative.
0: Pigmon in the city
1: uh very creative Uh, i thought that was uh thought that was really good that's why i included it uh nathan you have now sent in like five answers we're going to have to start limiting the amount of answers that you send in
0: well technically
1: six yeah well yeah we haven't even gotten to one yet so um (laughs) and then our friend kaiju kim The queen of all things Kaiju uh, has sent in Clifford's Big Adventure. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much. Yeah. (laughs) I'd much rather the running joke about Clifford than the other running joke, which is not to be mentioned since we didn't have an answer from a certain teenage podcast host who usually keeps that thing going. Oh, oh, never mind. You're talking about... Yeah! there it is um if you're a new listener to this podcast i'm very sorry i am very sorry and if you're a new listener i'm not sorry if you're a new listener and you marathoned through all of that news and 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 making it to this far good on you wow i'm not sorry because we're almost at twenty
0: thousand downloads so we must be doing something right
1: I feel like we probably would have been double that by now if it wasn't for the Yeti nipples.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a big part of what's dragging us down. I will, I have to admit, but, um, overall, overall, I think it's our charming. I think it's our charming personalities.
1: I don't know who you're talking about. Cause I don't have a personality anyway. Uh, <laughs> your personality is sleep. My personality is tired. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Chris, we had one episode where I didn't mention being tired. <laughs> um, uh, our last answer is from Jimmy from Nassau, uh, who sent in the adventures of Jimbo in space. Hence space. why it was a space opera. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, get uh, it. Uh. Okay. Uh,
0: th- thanks. Thanks. I love, I love, I love the Fozzie GIF. Thank you, Jimmy from Nassau.
1: But our actual main topic for this week is where the wild things are from 2009. It was directed by Spike Jones and it stars Max records, James Gandolfini, Paul Dano, Lauren Ambrose, Forrest Whitaker, Catherine O'Hara and Chris Cooper. And do you have a funny plot breakdown? Cause I have a funny plot breakdown. I actually do not have a funny
0: plot breakdown. Travis, go ahead and read your funny plot breakdown.
1: Okay. So the plot breakdown for this episode, there's like this kid, his name is Max. He clearly has some emotional and psychological issues. Like he's dealing with maybe the death of his dad. We don't really know. The movie's not very clear on that. And you know, Maybe he'd be good, you know, it'd be a good idea to send him to a counselor or a family therapist or, you know, some kind of professional who can help him cope with the overwhelming emotions that he's experiencing. But instead, he throws dirt at some big monsters. The end. He's lonely. Yeah, yeah. He just he he seemed like just a kid who has a lot of emotions a lot of feelings that he's dealing with feelings of abandonment feelings of loneliness and he doesn't know how to express those and because his mom is working all the time and not really being super attentive to him and his needs he's kind of acting out and you know and, and and really I thought as much as like he was acting out and like that that was some very hard scenes to watch because I just wanted to smack the kid hello um but you know violence against children and you know not <laughs> not not something I encourage It's okay. It's okay. I have nieces and nephews. It's fine. <laughs> um but <laughs> while that while you know like it was hard to watch some of those scenes I feel like this movie is so true to life like this is this is how children are when they are dealing with emotions and you know we're getting into our opening thoughts now cuz this is kind of my opening thoughts to this um wow i i just have to applaud spike jones who really cuz i was doing did research you know for this episode he was the driving force behind this. Like it's like sometimes, you know, a lot of movies are always a collaboration, but like all of the sure. things that made this movie, what it is was decisions that spike Jones made and then dug his heels in and said i'm not changing it now even when the 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 studio put pressure on him when other people said you know you need to change this it's not going to work it's not going to work he dug his heels in and said no this is what i'm doing this is what my vision is and if you don't like it then i'm not going to do it and and he stuck to his guns and wow he made a movie that captures what it really is like to be a kid dealing with those emotions and it is, it is such a hard thing to do so many people fail at making movies that capture realistic emotions for children mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's on purpose like like a lot of times uh adults who making these movies don't really treat children's feelings and emotions as valid or worth? Well, they talk down ex- the kids yeah yeah or or you know they don't they don't view them as valid they talk down to them they don't view them as as uh as worth exploring the emotions that children's are, children are experienced and the fact that spike jones took this this book that is not i mean like it's 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 a picture book that is about the size and length of the very hungry caterpillar, it's there's nothing to this book, like as far as like depth. And he made a movie that was so deep and full of emotions. Wow, just I, I just I he, that is super ambitious, and he succeeded in doing something that I would have never imagined that they could have done. This movie is definitely like an emotional
0: roller coaster, I think, because I. I This is a, this is an incredibly mature movie for it being a kid's movie. And we've talked, we talked about this in private. This really isn't a kid's movie. Mm -mm. This is a very adult movie. This is a very adult movie. And by adult, I don't mean like, like, you know, TVMA. I mean, it's a very mature movie told through the perspective of a child
1: yeah yeah. I like how um, and I forget who it was. It, it was it was one of the reviewers. It might have been uh, Roger Ebert who reviewed this movie. I, I was looking at some of the you know other reviews after I had already watched it and made up my own review. I was looking at some of the other reviewers uh, and uh, somebody said, this movie is about childhood, but it is not a children's movie and i thought that was such a brilliant way of putting it because yeah this movie stars a child it focuses on a on a young child who is experiencing life and is told through his eyes and through his own imagination but it is not necessarily aimed at children it is aimed at adults who are who remember what it's like to be that child to have those feelings those emotions and that kind of imagination and experiencing the world in that way so i just yeah so it so it is it is definitely about childhood but it is not necessarily for children but at the same time i don't think i don't think that if you showed this to a child that they would be scarred for life i think that they would probably be bored more than anything because it's not as flashy or or vibrant as like something that kids usually enjoy so no it's it's really a
0: drab it's kind of a a drab
1: like aesthetic just
0: speaking aesthetically it's kind of a drab little a little bit depressing
1: looking movie you know i think and and this is getting kind of into our specific likes and dislikes because this was a a like that uh, well it's, it's a little bit of a like and a little bit of a dislike so i don't know i didn't know exactly where to put this because the color palette that they chose for this is very drab. Like you said, there's a lot of browns, there's a lot of um, tans. There is a lot of you know oranges and and vibrant oranges and stuff in it too. but it, it is it's a very different color palette than what you might see in you know other movies, especially movies that have you know the imagination of being a child. But I think that that was done on purpose and i'll tell you what i think it, the purpose for it was i True. think the theme of this movie is meant to trigger some to trigger real nostalgia and i mean real nostalgia not the manufactured nostalgia that we see used in advertising and movies and stuff nowadays but but real nostalgia and i think that choosing the warm kind of tan and brown orange whatever you want to call it color palette kind of makes the movie feel like a sepia toned film and if you ever want to make things look older or kind of like the the like shortcut to nostalgia in in like you know flashbacks and stuff is use a sepia tone on things and use a sepia filter I think that's I think that's what the, the color palette in this movie is meant to evoke. I don't know for sure because I didn't see that written down anywhere. But I feel like just watching this, that for me, the color palette actually adds to that kind of nostalgia looking back on the past and, you know, and remembering what it was like to be that young and that imaginative.
0: Yeah. I like, I like what you said that this movie in evokes like real nostalgia because like we have all at some point been this, like this, this awkward child going through And it doesn't necessarily have to be like an emotional upheaval, but going through some stuff and we either act out or we, you know, we lean really heavily into our imaginations to help us cope with something that's going on in the real world. Mm -hmm. And I think like this, this movie, like this movie feels nostalgic. I get what you're saying because you can kind of put, we, the, as the audience can put ourselves in Max's place, um, and kind of feel what he's feeling. This, this, this sense of wanting to feel important to want to feel seen, uh, which is why he, makes up the whole story about being a King and, and mm-hmm. being ruler over all these Vikings, like makes him to make, to build himself up, to be important and to, and to mean something and to feel less insignificant than he may feel. Because again, his mom, she's a single mother. Uh, we don't know where the dad is at. We we we're led to believe that he has either passed away or, you know, maybe he's the child of a divorce, Uh, it's never, it it never goes into that, which I'm kind of glad it didn't because there's a lot of this movie and you and I talked about this a little bit last night. Uh, there's a lot of this movie that's kind of left up to interpretation Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: I like what they did here, but like we can put ourselves in the place of this, of this child that just wants to feel seen and wants to feel important and like he matters
1: yeah and, and you're right that there's so much of this movie that is left ambiguous um like we said the you know, the 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 not knowing exactly where the father is we know he's not in the picture we know that max wants him to be in the picture because he you know you see him look at something that his dad gave him it even says on there you know about mm-hmm. uh that it was from his dad and that you know and so you can tell he misses his dad but Did his dad die? I mean, there is kind of hints there because, you know, the way that Max kind of reacts when his teacher, side note, worst teacher ever.
0: Oh, it's terrible teacher.
1: Terrible, terrible teacher. You're teaching children and you're like, the universe is going to die and we're all going to be killed by our, you know, and we're just all going to disappear into the void of emptiness and space. And it's just like, you're teaching children. Stop it. (laughs) um but but like when the teacher mentions that you know the sun will die you know the sun will eventually die because everything dies eventually is with you know how it how it was put. Yeah. and then then later on max repeats that to to uh carol one of the monsters yeah. you know he says that did you know the sun is going to die and you know and so i so there's little hints there that death is on on uh on max's mind but it's not outright said that his dad is dead. It just, you know, so, so I, it is left ambiguous. There's things like the mother's job, what she does, you know, that's kind of left ambiguous. We know that it involves some kind of project that she has to get done. She has to work. And so she can't really some spend. Some kind a, of
0: like some kind of data entry. I would, I'm assuming it's what it looked like when she was at her computer, which this has to be set sometime in the nineties or the, maybe even the eighties. I don't know. Um, no, that computer definitely looked nineties. Was it nineties? Okay. So it looked, it looked like a nineties, like desktop computer. Um, she's definitely doing some kind of like data entry report. It seems like, but yeah, like she has. it just like what, what's really touching about that though, is she still takes the time to open up a, a word document we'll say mm. and write down her son's uh stories like his imagination mm-hmm. like whatever his imagination is coming up with in that moment she writes those down for him and yeah. she does take that time to do so because you can tell that you know she is a mom she's struggling uh, with probably whatever el- what's going on with her because we we meet um, I guess what is I guess it's her boyfriend because he calls her honey uh Mm -hmm. this is definitely not a first date scenario um uh sidebar i forgot i did not know mark ruffalo was in this movie um it was kind of weird seeing him there um yep
1: i mean mean, me and you you me and you came up with a nickname for him that i'm not going to repeat on this podcast but um (laughs) He is, he, I I can, Um, I swear he has been the boyfriend (laughs) of a divorced or widowed (laughs) woman in like five or six different movies. He is, he is always that guy.
0: I mean, he, he definitely has a type let's, we'll say that. Um, but I mean, this, it just goes, it just kind of goes back to that, like real nostalgia, like that real nostalgia of like not having like wanting your parents attention and their and them being too busy to give it to you but maybe they take just a little bit of like just a little bit of time throughout their day to to do
1: something for you. And that's yeah. something
0: that yeah, that's something that I was kind of reflecting on.
1: She's not a bad mom. She's obviously not a bad mom. She's a mom who is busy. Not. And she's a mom mm-hmm. who is struggling to balance things because she is a single mom uh trying to balance all of this. But she's not a bad mom. She is there and she's attentive. Uh, And and also the realism also goes with the older kids, the teenagers, the older sister and her friends. The way that they react to the younger, to Max, is not to bully him or, you know, to to push him around. They reacted
0: in a way they reacted in a way that I did not personally expect. When I saw the sister's friends pull up, I thought, okay, here we go. We're going to see the typical like sister's boyfriends and his friends are going to pick on her little brother and it's going to be kind of heart wrenching, but it's going to play into the plot of him wanting to run away or whatever. So the movie did really well at subverting my expectations in that moment.
1: Yeah. And, and and that's what and and where we expect that because that's the cliche that movies have done for a long time. but that's not the real world. That's mm-hmm. not how older siblings react and treat their younger siblings, and that's not how older siblings' mm-hmm. friends treat their younger sibling, uh, you know the younger sibling. This is more realistic like they they do kind of play with him a little bit not not much but they do you know they they instead of getting mad at him they throw uh snowballs back at him when he throws a snowball at them and it's not malicious it's actually playful yeah it's playful they're laughing they're having fun and stuff and it just the problem happens when they smash his igloo and i have been because uh, it, For anybody who doesn't know, I like to describe myself as two uh, kaiju fans by volume. I am a big guy. I am a really big Uh guy. I have been a big guy for a long time. So I have been Uh the bigger kid who has smashed something without realizing how... Yeah. attached the Same. younger kid was to it and so you know it's like oh I, I, I like I felt at the, I felt for the older kids a little bit more at that moment because you know I'm not saying that Max overreacted he reacted the way a, a, a kid his age would react but also being the teenager or being the bigger kid who has been in that situation I'm like Well, we were having fun. We were, you know, we didn't mean to do something. We we were just Yeah, we got carried away. It happens. Yeah, yeah. And and so then they and they even ask, Are you okay? You know, like they're they're not mean to him. And so I thought this was just such a wonderful thing a wonderful way of doing this film of just making it so realistic like the relationships between Max and his mom and his sister feel realistic they're not they're not antagonistic towards each other they love each other but you can tell that they're kind of living their own separate lives and which you know makes sense the mom is busy she has to take care of things so she's kind of living her life Max is in his own world literally and figuratively uh and Mm. and the older sister has reached a point in her life where now she's outgrown a lot of the things that her and max used to do together and so she's trying to Mm. establish herself as a teenager as an older uh you know kid and so it's yeah it's kind of it's such a realistic thing i keep saying realism and realistic so much but that's just the way i that's the only thing i can say about this (laughs) you
0: know what's also really realistic The reaction from his mother when she realizes that he messed around in his, in his big sister's room, Mm -hmm. she didn't yell, she didn't scream. She was like, Max, what did you do? Like that was what the most she got, but you know what? She saw that Max was sorry for what he did. He felt bad for what he did and she tried to help him fix it so that his sister wouldn't find out and be angry. Mm -hmm. Like that Like, it's such a simple thing because I can relate to that kid, Max, uh, you know, being young because my sister, see, my sister lived with us until I was probably around six years old. My my sister is technically my half sister. So both my parents were married uh, before they got divorced and then got remarried and then had me um but before that my mom had my sister so my sister is like 11 years older than i am but she was still young enough to where i lived the she lived in the same house as me um probably until I was maybe six years old or something like that. And she was a teenager. She was dating her husband at the time, um, maybe in getting ready to be married and all that. And, but I vividly remember those moments in the house of when she was, when I would get home from school and she wasn't home or something and just me going in there and messing around in her room. And then my mom coming in, catching me and instead of yelling, well, of course my mom probably yelled at me, but in, but after she got done kind of scolding me, she helped me fix it so so my so my sister wouldn't flip out like it sounds like a simple thing but i think it plays into the into the realism in, into the realism that we're talking about here for this for this quote unquote kids movie that's not actually a kids movie
1: yeah yeah and and it's such a weird thing and it just shows how many of these movies that we that we generally because there's plenty of movies out there that do deal with realistic things but but just how many of the movies that we watch and and how many of them especially for the podcast that don't deal with realistic issues and realistic emotions that when we finally get one we're just like taken aback by it because we're like whoa you know a, a movie that's actually dealing with real issues and real things that kids actually have to deal with and and people and families have to actually deal with it's like this is you know and it's not a monster that's destroying a city (laughs) you know you know i mean i mean that's not that's not knocking the stuff that i love the movies that we cover you know on the podcast i love the type of movies that we cover but it's just it just goes to show how much we are just we're we're Soaked deep into this, you know, the the kind of fantasy, uh, sci fi genre that we're in that doesn't typically do this kind of stuff. That when we finally get a movie that 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 goes to it's like a brush. It's like taking a, uh huh.
0: It's like taking a when you first wake up in the morning, your mouth is really dry. You've slept all night. And then you go to the kitchen and you take and you get a glass of water, maybe put a little ice in it and you just gulp that thing down. And it feels so good because your body has been deprived of that for the last however many hours you've slept. Mm -hmm. And that's what this movie feels like. Because like you said, we, we cover a lot of like good movies and I don't get me wrong. I love the movies we cover. Well, most of the movies we cover, I should say. I love most of the movies we cover and this is, and this, and we, and we cover films that are just right in our wheelhouse. They are like big monster smash, big monster fights, other big monster smashes city, the end, like that's right in our wheelhouse and they're a lot of fun and there's nothing wrong with that. But when a movie like this comes along and it, it. And it does kind of, I guess, serve as a palate cleanser or a, or a palate refresher for like these types of discussions. It is very noticeable. And that's, that's why we're kind of lingering here just a little bit long, longer than we typically maybe would.
1: Yeah. Now let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about the actual monsters in this. So, so the monsters in the book the the uh, the uh, where the wild things are do not have names and do not have really identifiable personalities uh, in it because it's a short children's picture book.
0: Sure, but they, it's they like eight pages or ten, maybe even maybe even that.
1: Yeah, so they gave each one a different personality, a different name, and mm-hmm. they did a really great job of developing them as characters. I really liked the combination of using the practical effects, the practical suits. These suits were built by the Jim Henson Company. You can tell they look like a Jim Henson you can tell. Uh, uh, thing, uh, but they use CGI on the faces to make them, you know, move and speak and stuff in, in a more realistic way. Uh, so I, I thought that was just so fantastic. They looked and and moved and felt real and and tangible because they were they weren't just cgi you know things you know in a computer they actually were tangible things that the the kid yeah. could be carried by or wrestle with or you know push around or, or run from or anything like that it was just so great and i loved the voice acting in all of them they're just they're, they were so great
0: i i think i tech, after i started the movie i was like it is so weird hearing the voice of Tony Soprano in this movie.
1: Yes. Yeah. It
0: was so, it was so weird. Like, uh, what is it? James Gandolfini. uh, Um, what is his last? Gandolfini. Thank you. Uh, James Gandolfini, uh, who's, who's probably the most famous role is the Sopranos, but it was so odd hearing him in this movie. And I think it fit the character, or I, I should say the characterization fit his voice so incredibly well.
1: It did. It did. And you know what? We had some really fantastic we named a few of them, you know, when, when we were going through the cast list. There's a lot of great actors who did the voices in this movie.
0: James yeah, Forest Gandalf- Whitaker.
1: Yeah, Forrest Whitaker. But James Gandolfini is the one that stood out the most because he's the character that most represented Max and his his emotions and his feelings and, and his angst, his mm. his acting out type. Uh, personality and th- the way that like James Gandolfini had to convey so many different emotions just with his voice. And he did a brilliant job with it. So he was the standout one for me.
0: I, out of all, out of all the other ones, I thought that I thought Chris Cooper, the, the played Douglas did like second best, just be just as kind of like the counter to like, because that character the character of Douglas is kind of a little bit he's a little bit calmer a little le- a little bit more measured whereas Carol played by James Gandolfini is a little bit more emotional like he is and I, and this is kind of a weird thought i had throughout going throughout the movie because we don't know if this is all in Max's imagination or if this is supposed to be real and and the, the film does a really good job Uh, towards the end kind of leaving that up to interpretation Mm
1: -hmm. um
0: i sincerely thought that doug the bird was the voice of whatever whatever like therapist that his mom sent him to
1: yeah yeah he does seem kind of like the yeah the voice of reason kind of in all of them yeah um i do like that that the way that the monsters are it's almost like each one represents not just a person that in Max's life, but also an aspect of his personality, um, with Carol being mm. the biggest part of his personality. Uh, KW obviously was more represented his sister, but they did have a little bit of his own uh, personality mixed in there. So, yeah, it's just, it was great that how they were able to interpret these monsters that, like I said in the book, had no personalities and no distinguishing yeah you know, they had distinguishing features and that they looked different but there was nothing that separated them from each other and then the the way they interpreted them
0: what if doug what if douglas represented max's dad could have been like cuz douglas douglas seemed a little bit like like he's kind of like that voice of reason and the re- and the example that i'm thinking of specifically is when um when carol uh gets angry and And rips off the arm of Douglas, which is really, and all of these creatures apparently have sand in them, Mm -hmm. which is odd, but okay. Um, so he rips off the arm of Douglas and Douglas is just like, oh, it's okay. It's fine. Like he's kind of that, that calm voice of reason. So I'm wondering if Douglas wasn't his dad, like his, his, his kind of like pseudo like dad. Uh, yeah
1: maybe. could have been because because you, you're led to believe that the one I, I think it was judith whichever one had the the loud voice the kind of loud nagging voice that they always that they mm. were making fun of through a lot of it that that's meant to represent kind of his mom because she yelled at him the last yeah, you know, before he ran away um you know and then if that's the case then the one that she's in the relationship with ira uh is more of like the the boyfriend, the boyfriend mark ruffalo's character uh so you know who is kind of like more subservient and doesn't really have much to say or do because you know maybe he doesn't max doesn't know him as well so there's not as much there for him to to build a character from so yeah it yeah i just I, i i just really i really like the way that they did these monsters which which actually kind of makes me think
0: like who is alexander then the goat like, I'm wondering who Alexander is in this story. Uh, if everyone in this, if every, if all the monsters have kind of like their counterpart in real life that we've, that presumably that we may have met already, like KW is the sister. Um, uh, Judith is his mom. Uh, Ira is the boyfriend. Douglas is the dad. Carol is him. Um, so Alexander would be i don't know like i i don't know who alexander would be uh, yeah as well reporter, like me
1: i think uh, i think a lot of these uh, and and again a lot of it might just be us kind of digging a little bit deeper than maybe was meant to be with with like attributing mm-hmm. some of these things because i think a big part of it is that each of these characters is also supposed to represent part of his personality not just the the people that he in his life but also aspects of his personality so you do so so then you have the the dichotomy of carol who's this big and loud and loves running around and destroying things and and when he's when he's angry he lashes out and then you have alexander who's kind of shy and timid and weak and nobody listens to him and he doesn't know how to Mm -hmm. get people to listen to him and and pay attention to him you know because they they mention that in the movie like nobody really listens to you no and i don't know how to make them listen to me and it's like that's that's max that's another part of max's personality so it's just kind of showing that there's there's two sides to max there's the side that is you know angry and yelling and lashing out and biting his mom then there's Mm -hmm. also the side that's really sad and lonely and 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 scared and just wants people to pay attention to him And, and so you have these two, so both of these kind of are aspects of his personality. And it's just like, this kid really needs some therapy. This kid really (laughs) needs a a counselor of some kind. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, but like what's really,
0: what's really charming about what's really charming about this movie is all like, we probably are reading a little bit, a little bit too much into it, honestly, uh, than what it's meant to be, but I, I don't know. Maybe we maybe we're supposed to read into it. What's really fun about it is some of the more lighthearted scenes because it is because all of these monsters have a very like childlike personality to them. They're all feel they're all full of this like childlike wonder at Max because Max is is unlike any other creature that they've met before. Um, so. Like there is a lot of like, like child like wonder to them. And some of those, some of those scenes, like when they're playing with the dirt clods and when they're building the fort and all this stuff is just, is just really charming. Like there's a lot of like charm to this movie that, that makes it really enjoyable.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, and it is, it is ultimately, it feels like a fairy tale in the sense of, You know the kid goes on this grand adventure, and in the in in the process, learns a lesson because it feels like getting getting his his own emotions out and having to deal with them in a very physical way, like actually having to to interact with with another another being. I was I won't say a person, but another being that is acting the way he's acting makes him start Mm -hmm. to reflect on his own actions and and start to think about the way he's been treating others the way he's been acting and what he needs to do to adjust and stuff and so he actually learns a lesson through all of this and when Mm -hmm. he goes back home he can take that lesson with him and it's just a a really just yeah just great journey that the character that of max goes on this is one of those movies that there is so many layers and so much depth here that i think that we could talk forever about it but i think we got our main points out of the way we can get now to our final thoughts and our godzuki scores because yes listener we like to rate our movies out of five godzuki uh, because we like to embrace the sillier side of giant monster movies and we do that by using the great godzuki as our yardstick for rating these movies so michael out of five godzukis how many godzukis would you give where the wild things are and what are your final thoughts i have seen this movie before
0: but it has been long enough to where going into it i wasn't sure what to expect. I remember watching this movie around the time it came out. I I don't know why I watched it, but I just remember watching it and thinking it was just kind of weird and boring. But now going back to it, I think it's a wonder. I think it's a wonderfully, I think it's a wonderfully deep movie. There's a lot of realism. Like we've discussed about the film. Uh, it is definitely not a kid's movie it is it is a movie told through the eyes of a kid or through the eye th- through the through the personality and through the troubles and through the emotions of a child, but this is not a child's movie like this is not something I'm gonna show my niece or nephew because I just think they're gonna be bored they're just it's not like we said it's not big and flashy and bright enough to keep their attention it is a there's a lot of layers to this movie there's there's feelings of grief there's feelings of anger of of a very heavy like sadness and forgottenness, like all those emotions that kind of run through you as a child, just trying to grow up, and like this this movie is nostalgic in like not the way that we are not the way that we normally talk about nostalgia, like like for me, like I talk about the nostalgia of power Rangers and nostalgia of Godzilla like that is a different nostalgia than what this movie represents this movie represents all of the complex emotions that uh you know we have as, as children because you know if you think about it a child's life is not easy sometimes and through like circumstances and and things that happen throughout your life you know sometimes a child has to grow up quicker than, you know, maybe expected or is, or maybe they should. And I think that's, what's kind of happening here. Like it, it's a, Max is a child who maybe is struggling with the feeling of, you know, having to grow up a little bit too fast because some bad stuff has happened to him in his life and he feel, and he doesn't know any other way to uh, um, act out his emotions other than just putting on a white wolf suit and acting like a fool running through the house, wrestling the dog, uh, biting his mother, just really just acting out in that way. Um, he, he doesn't know how to handle it. He just, he just doesn't know. And so he, he creates this world for himself that he can escape to. And I think that's, I think it's something a lot of us can identify with, especially if we, if we really look back, on on our childhood and what our experiences were there. Uh, there's just a lot to unpack here. Although the monster designs are a little weird because I was like, okay, so these are literal representations of what they looked like in the book, which is weird, but it works. Like, Yeah, everything they were just really true
1: to what here. they looked like in the book, which, you know, right. Yeah. They looked weird in the book. For sure.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. It was just big and over the top. So, you know, all things considered, I would definitely recommend this to somebody that wants a, just a good movie with a lot of heart and a lot of depth to it, but also can be fun. You got to leave me
1: some room um, to give my final thoughts too, Michael. So
0: <laughs> I know, I know, I'm going a little bit long. I normally don't go, I know, I normally don't go this long. So I'm just going to wrap it up and say, I'm going to go ahead and just give this thing five out of five. Godzuki.
1: I like to write my final thoughts down uh, and you can read my final thoughts if you want to go back and read all of the ones I've written down before uh, in if you follow us on Letterboxd uh, because I usually uh, put reviews, my review down and my final thoughts down as the review for each movie that we cover on the podcast. So uh, you can go back. I don't think I have every single one of them on there because there was a little break I took where I just wasn't posting anything on Letterboxd, but I've got a good bit of them on there. So you can go and check out all the, all the, all the movies that we've reviewed and what my final thoughts were on a lot of them on there. So, um, but anyway, here are my final thoughts for this. There's a category of movie that is about childhood, but isn't necessarily meant for kids. These movies capture the truly nostalgic feeling of being a kid and going on adventures, exploring new worlds, meeting strange beasts, all without leaving your own yard. Where the Wild Things Are captures true nostalgia, not the manufactured kind that gets toted around or exploited by many filmmakers today. There's a nice balance of wonder humor and intense moments it reaches deep down and conveys strong sometimes dark emotions and is not afraid to convey those feelings in a realistic way director spike jones takes the often overlooked approach that kids emotions are valid The combination of artistic, practical effects, skillful CGI, and faultless voice acting give each of The Wild Things a unique appearance and personality. It's not necessarily meant for kids, like we said, but it is a beautiful movie that will warm the heart of anyone who remembers being a child full of emotions and imagination. And with that, I give it a 4.5 out of 5. Uh, I, I... I'm trying to be a little bit stingier with my five out of fives because I feel like I've been a little bit more loose in the past with them. Um, I might adjust this. I mean, this is this is like very close to the border of being a five for me, too. Like there, there's very few yeah. things that I have a problem with, and most of them are very nitpicky things. So this is very yeah. close to being a five. But I, I just went – I just – one i just gave it a 4.5 Godzukis. um this episode's running kind of long because like i said there was a lot of news to cover a lot to dive into with this movie so we're going to skip the mailbag this week but we do want to finish uh answering chris degelman's uh email that he sent us we started last week answering it we're going to answer some more questions because he sent us like three questions i think so we wanted to answer some more but we're going to do that next week but you can also send us some mailbag questions that we can read out on the podcast if we don't run too long talking about the movie uh because michael won't shut up uh (laughs) you can do that by sending it to our email kaijuweekly at gmail.com or you can tweet it to us at kaijuweekly on twitter and we will read it out on a future episode of the podcast make sure to do that we love hearing from you guys send us some stuff in our mailbag Uh, But yeah, the only thing to do for this episode is to ask the trivia question to hint to next week's episode. We're continuing our feel-good February because we're just covering all these movies that are supposed to be feel-good movies. Uh, And so keep that in mind as you answer the question, What film by director Bong Joon-ho created controversy at the 2017 Cannes Film Festival? Uh, send us those answers, and we're going to post that on our social media, so you can look for it on our social media and answer it there. And now... We're going to say thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends if you want to follow us on social media. So all the links to our social media, as well as for the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, are listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to our trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. Want to say a big Thank you to everyone who has supported Kaiju Ramen Magazine so far. Yeah, if you want to find out more about the magazine, the volume, all of that stuff, or any of the other podcasts in the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network, you can check out the website, kaijuramanmedia.com. Yeah, and there's one more thing, Travis, they can do to help support
0: this show, and that is by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And leaving us a five-star rating or review. And if you do that, it's going to help this show grow. And it's going to help put this show in front of other Kaiju, Tokusatsu, and Wild Thing fans. Uh, other wild things out there. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. It's getting late here. Um, and it's just going to help us grow. It's going to help us like do other great projects. It's going to help us get a little bit of exposure for Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network. With everything that we've got going on here at Kaiju Ramen Media Uh, And we would just really appreciate it if you do leave us. If you do happen to leave us a review, we'll read it on a future episode of the podcast. We've actually got a few reviews that we still need to read out. We may get around to those eventually, but we would just really appreciate it.
1: And yeah, so to close out this podcast, I'm going to say, help control the wild thing population. Have your carols spayed or neutered. Wild thing, wild thing. You make
0: my heart. You make my heart sing. You, you make, make everything.
1: everything groovy, groove groove baby okay
0: bye a hunk a hunk of burn love okay anyway
1: that has nothing to do with what we just talked about <gasps>